Hello, this is Michael James King coming to you from beautiful Roundtown, USA, where the burning question is, did Noah include termites in the ark? Hmm. This is yet another edition of God's Love Club, the podcast that talks about God's divine love and what it means for you today. We, as always, are giving a shout out to spirit-led believers everywhere and greeting them with a holy kiss. We confess Jesus Christ as our risen Lord and Savior, thanking him for his sacrifice on the cross of Calvary, and look forward to his soon appearing in the clouds. Father, in the name of Jesus, we ask your Holy Spirit lead and guide us as we speak to your people today. We ask that you open their minds and hearts to receive your revelation, hold fast that which is good, and put it into useful practice in their daily lives. In Jesus' name, amen. Today, my co-host with the spirit-led most is the lovely Christy Smith, the darling of Roundtown, USA. Christy is happy and well-adjusted in downtown Roundtown, where she believes without limits, prays for her family and friends unceasingly, and treats everyone with loving kindness. The title of this podcast today is God's Domain. Hey, Christy. How are you doing? I'm doing really well today. It's a beautiful sunny day, getting warm in round town. How are you doing? I'm doing pretty good. I slept really well last night, and uh, I'm bright-eyed and bushy-tailed today. We're going to talk about God's domain. This is a continuing revelation that God's been unfolding in my heart for the last few weeks. I used to believe myself, and I also taught, that we should always ask God about what we do so that we can be led by his spirit effectively. So consequently, what I would do is anytime I came to even a small decision, I would ask God. And God would always be gracious. He's always telling me what to do. Do it or don't do it, or this is why you should do something else. But I came to Revelation, which I believe was from him a few weeks ago, that when you're within God's domain, everything you do tends to holiness. When you're In God's domain, which is actually love, everything you do tends to righteousness. And therefore, when you're in God's domain, you don't have to constantly check with him to see if you're doing right, because you naturally do the thing which is right before him. And this takes a lot of the overhead away from following Christ. Mm -hmm. It allows you to just simply be and allows you simply to just do without having to check with God every other time you turn around. So this is what it means to be in God's domain. What -hmm. do you think about that? That's really interesting truth. And it's not anything different than what Jesus and the apostles taught us in the early church. Because the move of the Holy Spirit, when the Holy Spirit came upon the church, was to draw people to be united with Christ, to be united with God through Christ. So we have a oneness with God. Jesus prayed for his disciples that they would be one with each other, the disciples to the disciples, believers would be one with each other, and Jesus would be in them, and God would be in Jesus. So what we have inside us as believers is Jesus and God in Jesus living inside of us. That makes it so that we are led by a spirit. And that's exactly what the Apostle Paul taught us, is that we don't have to worry about all of the rules and regulations from the Pharisees, from the ancient Jewish 
scriptures, which were God-given, which were to draw people to God and to show us a need for a Savior. But once we have that Savior and the Spirit of Christ living in us, we no longer have to move by the external promptings of the words and the teachings and the rules and getting up in the morning and checking 317 different rules of do's and don'ts to make sure that I don't sin. Instead, we rely on the leading of the Holy Spirit. And when we are Living in the Holy Spirit, the only law that we have is the law of love. The law of love would never do any wrong to a neighbor. The law of love would never do any wrong to ourselves. And so what our challenge and our calling now becomes is to step into that domain. We can't just assume because we are a believer that we are always walking in that domain, but that is our drive, that is our challenge, that is our pursuit every day is to step into the domain of God, to step into his love be filled with the Spirit, be led by His Spirit. And then what happens, I believe, is that our desires actually become merged with His desires. Exactly. And we move as one in the will of God. And so what I desire, little by little, becomes what God desires. And His desires are manifested in me and grow in me. So when I really want something, I move toward a person. I really want to minister to that person or meet their need or give money to someone. It's God through me. And I don't have to go back and check, well, let me go pray if God wants me to give $50 to this person because I feel that need. I feel Feel exactly. it from a, a place of love and a place of being connected to the Spirit. And so I just do it. It's God doing it through me. We become one. And that's exactly what Jesus prayed for. It's exactly what he wants. He wants to live in us and through us yes. and just have his domain be in our hearts so that when we move, we move by his Spirit. Well, that's exactly true. I was talking to a prophet the other day, and this prophet says that once God says something, that's just it. She never goes back and questions it again. It's just the way it is because God has said it. Yeah. She has a certainty in her that just allows her to stand fast on that spoken word of God to her. Whereas me, God's been saying a certain thing to me for, I don't know, 15 years. And I ask him regularly if that is true because it's taken 15 years to come to pass. And what my continuing asking amounts to is unbelief. Mm. Because he never says anything different. It's always yes. That's yeah, what I mean. Yeah, isn't that right? You know, so the hundreds of times that I've asked him about this particular promise in my life, he's never changed his mind. And so I could have just believed him for that one thing that one time and never worried about it since. You know, it'll come to pass when it comes to pass. And this is what I mean about being in the domain of God. If I was in the domain of God in that area, I would have just taken yeah. him at his word and say, you know, when it is your will to happen, it will happen. Yeah. Instead of needing this constant reassurance that I'm actually hearing God correctly. Exactly. And I think that's a good point, is that constant reassurance that we feel like we need comes from our natural-minded thinking. It comes from our emotions. It comes from our fleshly nature. It comes from looking at the promises of God in light of what we see around us. And sometimes it is so unfathomable that he could do what he says he's going to do when we look at what is. But what we need to do to get into that domain is to have that faith and that belief. When we step into his presence and he speaks to us and he guides us and he leads us in a certain direction and he promises us things and he asks us to pray for things, expecting that he's going to move, when we stay connected to him, then it's easier to have that faith. It's easier to understand that this is going to come to pass, that this is actual the reality. The perspective from God's Spirit is the real reality of how things are. What we see manifested in what we can touch and sense with our five senses is not really the real reality. Exactly. It's what we are experiencing 
in a way that it seems like it's very real, but the truth and the reality is found in Christ, which is that spiritual perspective, that new heavens and new earth perspective that God is trying to bring down onto the earth that those who will listen to him and be connected to him will feel that new heavens and new earth perspective and sense that and will be drawn to that as the truth and will be strengthened and will be encouraged by that. You know, faith is something that God asks us to have. Without faith, it's impossible to please God. The Greek word that is translated as faith, the actual meaning of that is walking in darkness. And so often as believers, we feel like our faith is in what we can understand, what we read in scripture, what our natural mind can grasp. And then we hold fast to something that we understand with our minds. We stand firmly on the word of God and we call that faith. But you know what that faith has led to is a lot of really bad mistakes throughout the history of the church. Many, many people were killed because of people believing that they were doing what it said in the word because they were standing on their understanding of the word when the nature of God and the nature of love that flows through him and is supposed to flow through Jesus is not at all the way that he would have acted in those circumstances. Faith is walking in darkness. Faith is is believing in what you can't see and trusting, moving forward in what you can't see. Like Abraham, who was highly honored for his faith, was called to a land that he didn't know. He didn't know where he was going. He didn't know what he was supposed to do. God just said, go, and he went. That's faith. It's walking in darkness. Because what God wants is for us to not lean on our own understanding. So for me to stand firmly on a scripture and say, I have faith because God says I need to do this, that's not as much faith as hearing what he says and going where I don't know, but trusting him. Because faith is synonymous with trust. We can't have a real faith where we're willing to walk forward in something we can't see or something we don't understand unless we have trust. We have to have trust in God and his love for us and the nature of love that is flowing through us, knowing that when we move towards someone in love, we don't ever do wrong. When God moves towards us in love, he never does wrong to us. So we can trust him. We can trust that where he's leading us is going to be good for our good and for the good of everybody involved. Well, that's true. And another aspect of that is that we don't have to be 100% certain in ourselves of what God says. Have you ever not done something God asked you to do because you weren't absolutely sure that was his will? Or you weren't absolutely sure how that fit into scripture? Or you weren't absolutely sure how your pastor would take it? Hmm. You know, we use that kind of as a crutch. I know I have done in the past that, I, well, I just can't do it because I'm not really sure and I don't want to make a mistake and offend God. But what you actually are doing are offending God by not doing what he asks you to do. Mm. Unless he explains everything to you, unless you're absolutely certain and you can see what he's doing is right, you won't move. Yeah, wow. Thus, the thing that he wants to do doesn't happen because it's time sensitive. And by the time you get comfortable with it and you figure it all out and you have two or three scriptures and your pastor to back you up the thing that needed to be done Mm -hmm. the time has passed and so god's will is frustrated simply because you wanted to do his will so perfectly you couldn't move yeah it's the trust in him you know sarah believed that she was going to have a baby not because she could be convinced that something was happening in her body that was going to make her be able to have a baby or not because she reasoned in her mind that, okay, I can see that this could happen even though I'm really old and I'm beyond that time. I can feel things happening in my body. So I think this can happen. Sarah believed that she would have a baby because she trusted God. That is where she was honored in her faith. It's not her understanding. It's not her belief in faith. It's not her faith in the circumstance happening. It was her faith in God. 
that blessed God and that enabled it to happen. That's what our perspective needs to be. That's how we get into the domain of God is to keep our eyes on him and to believe him and to trust him and to trust his heart, even if we don't understand. It's so important that we don't lean on our own understanding, but we acknowledge him in what we're doing. We connect with him. We listen to him and follow where he's leading. And it's really important that we do that without a bunch of overhead Mm. of having to understand God or having to know. See, when you're in God's domain, you're just flowing with him. Yeah. You're like in the middle of a river that's going downstream. You don't have to do anything. You just have to float. Yes. And when we're in God's domain and we're operating by faith, most anything we do will be within his will. And even if it's not perfectly within his will, God knows how to compensate for that. So what we need to do in the coming days, particularly, is that we need to be in God's domain so that when he speaks to us, we move. Action, reaction. God speaks, we do his voice. And it's that quick, split-second stuff. Yeah. So that when we come to difficult situations, that God needs to have us move very quickly in order that we will be in position to do something for him or not be someplace Mm. that we don't get into some kind of trouble. We need to just instantaneously say, yes, Lord, and do it. And you can do that when you're walking in faith, when you're walking in the spirit, when you're in God's domain. Yeah. A domain, for those who are net savvy, is a sphere of influence, field of expertise. When you're in the domain of Christ, you just naturally do the things of the spirit. And you don't have to think about it. You don't have to constantly ask for his approval or for his understanding. You just do it. This is how Christ lived. This is why everything he did, they said, could not be contained within the books of the whole world. Because his whole life, everything he did, when he looked at somebody, when he spoke something, when he went someplace, it was completely within the domain of Mm, God. And so his life was scripture. His life was living out of the will of God and everything he did, every word he spoke, every look he gave, every hug he gave, that was God's will. And because it was God, it had a purpose. It had an effect. And he moved all of Jerusalem just because he was in the domain of God. That is so good. And that's interesting because it reminds me of the verse in Acts 17 when Paul came to unbelievers and he found that they had a temple to an unknown God because they were trying to worship all the different oh, yeah. gods. And in case they forgot somebody, they made a temple to an unknown God. And Just so he jumped, the <laughs> exactly. he jumped on that opportunity to say, well, let me tell you about the unknown God. And this is a wonderful description that he gives. And it really illustrates what you were just saying. He said in verse 24, the God who made the universe and everything in it and who is Lord of heaven and earth does not live in man-made temples, nor is he served by human hands as if he lacked something, since it is he himself who gives life and breath and everything to everyone. There's nothing that God needs from us. It's him that moves through us. That's where the life comes from. From one man, he made every nation living on the entire surface of the earth, and he fixed the limits of their territories and the periods when they would flourish. God did this so that people would look for him and perhaps reach out to him and find him, Although, in fact, he is not far from each one of us, for in him we live and move and exist. It's like you were just saying, we move in him. We don't have to go to a temple or a place to find him. He created us all from Adam 
from the same DNA that's spread through all the people of the earth today with an innate knowing that we get our very sustenance and our life from God. We don't have to give back to him as if he needed something. He lives through us because he wants to demonstrate himself to the earth through the people that he created. And it's in him that we live and we have our being, our very essence. That's exactly what you were talking about, that it's not a matter of stopping at every intersection and asking God left or right, left or right. It's a matter of going in the flow. When we're in the flow and we get to the intersection, we know which way to go. We just go by the prompting of the Holy Spirit. And it's not like there's Christy and there's the Holy Spirit and we're constantly battling it, trying to see Christy wants this, but the Spirit of God wants this. What are we going to do? It's a matter of Christy merging with the Spirit of God. And so we flow together. And all of a sudden, the things that God wants to do become what I want to do. And God blesses me with faith and trust and encouragement when I step out and do something that is His will. Then I feel the joy of the Lord and the confirmation from His Spirit that, yes, this is right on. And I see the effect that it has on people around me. It's a beautiful place to get to. And it's a progress to get there. But that's what we're going for is moving and living in Him. Yeah, instead of this staccato existence in God, we have the smooth flow of the Spirit Mm. to where we don't have to have these stops to check His will. We just do His will. We be His will. Everything we do tends towards His will. And this is what we need in these coming days. We need to move at the speed of God, Mm -hmm. not at our speed. Our speed tends to be slow, and we miss things that God really needs to do in others and in us. And being in the domain of God removes that barrier of having to understand everything God is doing in order to do his will. We move at his speed, not questioning what he wants to do. The reason Christ could sleep during a storm Mm. is that he had absolute faith that whatever happens, he was reaching the other side of the sea. It didn't matter what it was. It was just going to happen. And when they finally got him up and he went out there, he just rebuked the waves. And the waves just obeyed him and laid still. And then he turned and says, oh, ye of your little faith. You know, he walked in a place where he was so confident that he was in the will of God that the natural circumstances around him didn't even affect him. Wow, that's good. He He was so secure in God that nothing that was around him could disturb him. He just knew that. Even if he didn't know how it was going to work out, it was going to work out. Mm -hmm. I remember when I started writing The Final Feast about 2012, that I was very careful to give scriptures and support everything I was saying. That was okay. It was how I was taught in Bible college, you know, and there were scriptures to support what Mm -hmm. I was saying. But it was tedious. Yeah, it was a lot of work. You had to look up the references. You had to transfer the references and then put them in there in the correct place in the correct format. And it worked, but it was really hard. And then I came to the understanding that whether or not I supported anything with Scripture didn't make it true or untrue. It was either true in God or it was not. And so I kind of got off the thing of having to support everything by two or three Scriptures. And I started writing more. And the revelation started coming faster. And I was able to put it down in words because I wasn't spending all my time trying to justify it. Lately, I have broken free of even that by now writing the Seraph Hunter book series. Mm -hmm. And what that's done for me is liberate me from having to understand what I write. You know, I can receive revelation for God as I write about Brenzel of Eden and write about the adventures of Seraph Hunter that I don't even have to really understand. It just flows, and I put it down on paper, and afterwards, when I read it, I says, well, that's kind of cool. 
And so what I've been realizing is that as I step into the domain of God and let his spirit flow through me freely without having to direct it or understand it or put my reason to it, things just happen. And when I look at it, it's God. But at the time it's happening, I don't have to understand it. I don't have to know that it's perfect. This is how God flows through me, and I just let it happen. That's right. I like that because it's moving beyond our own understanding that enables us to really flow in that domain. In that really good series, The Chosen, when Jesus is heading towards Samaria to go and he's going to meet the woman at the well and the disciples are saying, we don't go this way. Why in the world are we going this way? And his response is, you know, if we have to have a discussion every time I make a decision, this is going to be really, really difficult. The point is when he says, go this way, we just go that way. And our reasoning and our understanding might go, whoa, we don't go through Samaria. That's just not done. But it was very important that they did go that way. That's exactly how God wants us to live is without having to check everything. I like what you said about a staccato way of life. Stop, 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 because I got to make sure I understand it. How do we get into that place? One thing that I would encourage that's helped me is as I'm spending time in the spirit and I'm feeling promptings or he speaks things to me, I make a note of them and write them down. I actually have a whole big folder in my phone where I just write down what God speaks to me. And a lot of times he'll say something to me on one particular day that doesn't really seem to pertain to anything going on. I'll find out later in the day that it did, or I find out two or three days later, a couple weeks later, that he's given me some sort of preemptive guidance about something going on in my life. And the closer I stick to his presence and the things that he's spoken to me and not leaning on my own understanding, the more I can walk in that domain. It's when I step out of that and I start reasoning things out and figuring things out and looking through things with my own eyes. And then that opens me up to the whispers of the enemy saying, oh, this is ridiculous. Oh, you don't want to do this. This doesn't make any sense. Then I start to fall away and fall out of that domain. And it's to the point now where I can sense in my spirit a really icky place to live compared to the beautiful peace and joy and flow that just comes from being in his domain. But I would encourage you, if you're hearing things from God, even if you don't understand them, make a note of them. When he prompts you to do something, do it track what's going on so you can look back. When I get in those places when I'm coming under the darkness or I'm struggling in my own emotions, I can look back on the words that he has spoken to me and that keeps me in that place where I need to be in his domain with his focus and his perspective and it really helps. Another way to look at this is like a young child of maybe one or two playing at the feet of their father. The child, as they're near the father, plays unconcerned. They just do whatever they want to do, and they're happy, and they know their father's there, and they look up, and he's there, and they just do whatever they do, and it's a very comfortable feeling. Mm. But sometimes if they get too far away or they can't see the father, then they get scared. Then they cry, and they say, oh, no, I'm all alone all of a sudden, and they get really fearful. And the thing that's going on with a lot of us is we're a lot farther from God than we know, and that's why we're fearful. And then we say, well, I'm just going to believe Scripture. So you're believing scripture and you're fearful. Mm -hmm. Well, I'm just going to go do this to please God. So you're doing something to please God and you're fearful. What's the missing ingredient? The missing ingredient in your life is being near God. You need to get in his domain so that fear that you have will naturally just dissipate. Exactly. Because in his presence, there is no fear. No, it's just There is no shadow of turning. There is no darkness. Yeah. All there is is light and love. And how do you get near God? You start listening to his voice and doing his will. God blesses what he authors. If he speaks to you to go and visit a friend when it's inconvenient to your schedule that day and you do it, that pleases God. That means that you come near him. He Mm. comes near you. You feel his presence. And that just 
starts to dispel the fear you have. The more you do that, the more you get into the domain of God. The more you just listen here and obey on time what your Father speaks to you personally, the more you come into the presence of the Almighty. And that's where there's security. That's where there's the feeling of love. That's where there's the feeling that you understand his will and you hear his voice. All this study, all this beating of yourself under your flesh and making it submit, that is the really hard way That's to follow way. God. It is. The way that you follow God, you simply listen to his voice and you do his will when he says to do it. You don't question your father's will. And as you do that, you receive his approval. As you do that, you say, yes, Lord, here am I, send me. And then you get this feeling of he's saying, well done, my good and faithful servant. The ultimate expression of that is entering into the rest of God, yeah. to going to heaven with him forever. And that is the result not of study, but of doing his will. Yeah, relationship. That relationship with him is what leads to him speaking to us and using us and giving us direction. And it's the relationship with him that makes us be able to hear him and be drawn near to him and the delighting in doing what he wants you to do. And that's a really safe place to be, that close to God. I like what you said about when you step outside of there, there's fear. Because perfect love is what casts out fear. God himself is love. So the closer we are to him, the more we are in that presence of love. And then the fear is gone. We don't have to worry about stumbling. Yeah, we aren't going to do things perfectly. Just because we live in the domain of God, we are in a fallen world, we're in a fallen human body. There are going to be times we make mistakes. But it's okay because we have grace we have the Holy Spirit to lead us, and he's not going to let us get so far out of line that we make a train wreck. If we trust him and we listen to his promptings, when we start to veer off, he'll just prompt us back to where we need to be. There's repentance available. It's the matter of doing what he wants you to do, and to the best of our sensitivity to the Spirit moving forward. When the apostles were wanting to go spread the gospel in the book of Acts, they talked about going to a particular place, and they asked God, and God said, no, I don't want you to go there. I want you to go to a different place. And they thought, well, we're going to go this way if the Holy Spirit wills. And so they had a desire to go that way. That night, Paul had a dream, woke up and said, nope, God wants us to go to Macedonia instead. Were they just being fleshly, deciding to go one place and another place and another place? No, they were doing the best they could to hear the Spirit of God. And they were probably sensing that the Spirit of God wanted to move on each of those places. That's what I think. They could feel the Spirit wanted to move on the people in that city. They could feel the Spirit of God wanted to move on the people of that city. But it was a matter of the timing and where do we go now? So God says, go to Macedonia, and they did. So that's the way that God leads us. When our hearts are open to him and our ears are listening to his spirit and we're willing to obey him, whatever he says to do, he's going to keep us on the right path. And if we start to stumble or go the wrong direction, he'll redirect us. You know, the domains of the world like .com, .net, .org are the domains of knowledge. .god is the domain of revelation. And that is how we are actually supposed to live. God forbade the knowledge of good and evil to us. He didn't want us to have any of it. You couldn't have the knowledge of good. You couldn't have the knowledge of evil. So what knowledge can you have? Answer, zero. What he wanted to do is have us live by every word that proceeded out of mm. his mouth at any given moment. That was a life of revelation. That was a life of understanding through the Spirit the things that we needed to know at the time we needed to know them. And this is where God is guiding us and leading us right now is back into the garden, back into that domain of love back in the domain where God is all in all in our lives. Mm -hmm. And we simply 
listen to him. If we lack wisdom, we ask our Father who gives to all men liberally. We just ask him what we need to know at any given moment, and he provides what we need, just like the manna in the Mm -hmm. wilderness. It comes daily. You know, it's all a matter of allowing God to do what he wants to do when he wants to do it. And we are simply the vessels that he inhabits, and we allow him to live his life through us. Jesus Christ is the firstborn of many brethren, and we who come after him are to be like him. We are to reach the fullness and stature of Jesus Christ. This is the point of creation, that God not just has one son, but has many sons and daughters, and that we live in perfection, that we live in him and breathe and move. And in the new heavens and the new earth, we get on about his business of what he really wanted to accomplish in the garden before things went wrong. This is what being in the domain of God provides you. It provides you insight to the actual reason that God does things. These things that cannot be known through study, God gives freely through revelation. And this is what being in the domain of God helps you to do. It is like the lights are turned on and you finally see the relationship of everything and why yeah, God does exactly. what he does. A deeper understanding. I like that. As we live in him and move in him and have our being in him, we get that insight. You mentioned scripture before. Scripture is to God what a brochure of a country is to the actual country. Yes. If I want to go visit Australia and I pick up a brochure and I read all about it, I might be really enticed about Australia and see all the wonderful things about it and be so excited to go there. And in a sense, I've experienced a little bit of it because I've read about it. I've, I've dreamt about it. I thought how fun it would be to be there. But until I actually go and set foot on Australia, I'm not going to really know what the experience is. But as I'm walking around and touring and seeing all the wonderful things, I can think back to that brochure and go, that they were so right. It's this and more. Yeah, this is a wonderful thing to see here in Sydney, but it's even more. And that's exactly what our experience with God is supposed to be. The Bible is the brochure that explains who God is and the life that he wants for us, but it's to lead us to experience God. And when we experience God, we look back on the things that we understood in Scripture with a new light, a new understanding. It's not that God ever goes against what he said in his word. But a lot of times going into the experience of God enhances that and enlightens it and broadens our insight to what we see in scripture. And it's the experience of God that we're going for. It's not just the knowledge. It's not just reading a brochure about what it would be like if you could experience him. It's to lead us to experience him so he can live in us and move through us. And we have our being in him. We know that we're there when we feel that we are in love. We are in his love. We are experiencing his love, receiving his love, and we are loving others. There becomes an appreciation for everything around us, humanity, creation, even circumstances that we know God is using for our good. There's just a different perspective on life that comes from being in that love. And the more we feel that, the more we recognize we're living in that, the more we know we're in his domain. And we can trust that where we are sensing to go is where he's leading us. Very well said. Very well put. When we talk about the scriptures, we in no way degrade or demean or disparage the Holy Writ. Exactly. That is the letter of God to humankind. And all of it is his word. It's God's revealing of himself and how he does his thing with other people to us through the written word. And that's a great thing. But any lover that receives the letters from another person they pour out over those letters. They 
hold them, they feel them with their fingers, they smell them, they imagine being with the person who wrote them. Mm -hmm. They try to squeeze every little drop of meaning out of every little sentence that is written. Because why? They're in love. And it's all they have of the person they want to be with. But when that person actually shows up, they don't continue to read the letters. Mm. They jump up, run over, and hug them. Exactly. That's a good illustration. Yeah. They want to be with them in reality. Yeah. And now those letters that were everything to them, now they don't even hardly remember. Why? Because they're with the person. They just pale to the reality of who the person really is. Yeah. And and if they have anything they want to know, they don't go back to the letters. They ask Mm, the person. Interesting. And this is the type of relationship we're talking about when we're talking about God's domain. We've had the love letter of God towards the human race. That's called the scripture. But when God shows up, you're not going to go and read the Bible while he's standing there. You're going to go hug him. You're going to be at his feet like Mary was. You're going Mm -hmm. to choose the better part of everything to be actually with your Lord. And if you have anything that you want to know, you ask him. And he just says, well, this is how it is. And he can tell you more in a minute than you could understand in a year of studying his letters. That's what we're talking about. We're coming into a maturity. We're coming into a domain of God where we don't question, we just be. And that allows God to move at the speed that he needs to to accomplish his will on this earth. And I cannot tell you how important this is. Yeah. This is majorly important to you and everybody you know. This is what people should be taught from the pulpits of this great nation and from the nations around the world. They need to have a personal relationship with God so they can hear his voice themselves. Mm-hmm. They need to trust his voice so they move at the speed of God when he talks to them. No more do we have to go through pastors or counselors or even Bible seminary. We have a personal relationship Mm. with God to where we are led by the Spirit at every moment and every day. Now, if God leads you to go and do any one of those things, that's fine. You're in the will of God. But if you think you're going to be in the will of God by just doing those things, That's not necessarily true. That's right. Yeah, and if you think about having our being in him, those two examples we gave of experience versus the letters and what you're reading, you know, when I'm in Australia and I can feel the temperature of the air and I can smell the smells and I can hear the sounds of the ocean when I'm on the beach, you can't experience that from the brochure. When you're with the person that you love after having corresponded by letters for a while, there's experiences when you feel the touch of their hand or know what their skin feels like or hear the actual sound of their voice. It's so much different than what you read when you're corresponding. It's because being, you think about our being, our being is everything that we are. It's everything that we experience. It's everything that we sense. And in him, we have our being. And it doesn't come through our natural minds. It doesn't come from what we read and study about him. It comes from experiencing him, being in him, having him live in us. Like Jesus said, I am in them and my father is in me. That is in him, we have our being. And that is where we experience him to the fullness. We just want to know him, hear his voice. And the way that we do that is by a direct experience with God and not just knowing about him. That is what he wants. That's what he sent his Holy Spirit to accomplish in us and through us is to have our movement and our being in him. Having the correct perspective of God is really, I think, personally, nine-tenths of the battle that we face. Yeah. Because our earthly perspective is so limited It's so restricted by our culture, by our reason, by our denomination, by what we understand 
we just don't see the big picture. And the only way you can see the big picture is to have the Holy Spirit simply reveal it to you. Mm. And this is what has happened to me over the last 35 years. I came looking at things one way, according to my natural reason and what was good to me. But over the years, God has continually lifted me up by his Holy Spirit and showed me ever greater and greater perspective. I used to look at what was happening now. Then I started thinking about the millennium, and God showed me a bunch of stuff about the millennium. And I thought, wow, that's amazing. That's so expansive. And then God started showing me about the new heavens and new earth. Mm -hmm. And that just blew my mind. And I said, okay, a lot of scriptures that we say are the millennial scriptures are probably the new, new heavens, heavens and new, new earth, earth scriptures, uh -huh. you know. Mm -hmm. And I've been misinterpreting the Bible because my perspective was too too narrow. And it just keeps going on. And every time that God pulls me back and gives me more and more of his perspective, I understand more and more of his word. Everything yes. he writes makes sense it's right. and from most, his perspective. Yes, much more so than just reading it at face value. Yeah, exactly. And the only way I can know this is that God simply reveal it to me. And that's how he wants to deal with you too. He wants you to walk by revelation. He wants to simply illuminate your mind so that you understand what he means. This is the thing that we lack when we limit ourselves to what we can understand. Our understanding naturally is so restrictive. And especially when you get bound in doctrine, yeah. you are not allowed to think certain things, lest you be a heretic. You can never explore the fundamentals of our faith to see if they are actually aligned with the chief's cornerstone, Jesus Christ. That's forbidden to you. Because if you ever examine foundational doctrines and you don't agree with your denomination, you're just kicked out. You're showing the door, sometimes nicely, sometimes not so nicely. And we need to get beyond our need to explain everything. Mm -hmm. It is not possible. That's right. <laughs> it is and possible. it is not even God's will. If you knew why, faith would be irrelevant. Wow, that is true, isn't it? Yeah. If you had to understand everything, you'd never move because you can't. All you can do is trust your father's voice. And this is what the first of our faith, which is Jesus Christ, did. He lived by everything he heard from God and everything he saw in vision. And this is what we're coming to. And this is what is really, really necessary in the days to come, is that we be able to turn instantly by the Spirit and do something. It may save our lives. It may. And the trust in God and his word is coming from a trust in his heart and his nature. Jesus could do whatever God told him to do and even say, not my will, but yours be done, because he trusted his father. He trusted his father's will. He trusted that his heart was good. Jesus never had any harm come to him at all until it was time for him to lay down his life. That was by God's will. Many times when they tried to capture him and kill him, he made a way out of the crowd miraculously. Where is he? He was here just a minute ago because God did not allow any harm come to him. He didn't allow him to be harmed by the storm when he was on the boat in the Sea of Galilee because he had a plan for him that was good, and he protected him and kept him safe until it was time for him to lay down his life, which was God's will and was ultimately for good, for his good, the joy set before him, and for our good. And when we trust that about God, that he loves us and his plans for us are good, and even if he says, go this direction and it looks terrifying, we step into that love, that fear dissipates, and we're able to move forward just saying, I don't see where I'm going. Faith is walking in darkness, but I know this is my father's voice and I trust his heart for me, and so I'm going to go this way. That's where there's safety and rest and peace, and that's where we see the blessings of God. 
When Jesus was before the crowd of Jews who were trying to ask him, why do you have authority to do these things? And he said, before Abraham was, I am. Now, if there's anything guaranteed to get a rise out of the crowd, that was it. (laughs) And they took up stones to stone him. Now, Jesus had not planned the day before to say that. He said it at the moment through Revelation because that's what God wanted to say. And as they took up stones to stone him, he didn't have an answer plan out. But when they were about to stone him, he says, for what good work do you stone me? And at every moment of that conversation, he didn't know what the next step was. He didn't know what the next clever answer he was going to give them. He just was there allowing God to speak to his people. And God, being who he is, could say what they needed to hear. He said, well, have you never read? Ye are gods. And it just confused them because their doctrine (laughs) was being used against them. And now they couldn't stone him and he just walked away. Anybody else who tried to answer in the natural would have been a pile of rocks. Exactly. And this is why revelation is superior to reason. Because when you have revelation, you have God's mind. Exactly. We have have the mind of Christ. You have the mind of Christ. And when you have your reason, you have very, very limited access to the things you really need to know. That's really good. And Jesus is our example in how we live in God's domain. It was beautiful. It was peaceful for him. It was productive. And it was very different from the way the world saw things. And we need to remember that God's domain is not necessarily congruent with how we think life should be or how life has been for us or how the world flows. It's a totally different domain going a different direction, but it's the blessed way. It's the way we need to flow. And it's pretty much the only way forward in these latter days. You know, Mm -hmm. if you are still dependent upon your natural-minded reason, I can pretty much guarantee you will follow the beast. If you don't have an epiphany along the way that you start listening to the voice of God rather than what you think is good, you will believe what the false prophet says. And you will be lost in the coming strong delusion that's going to come to fruition here pretty quick. The only way to fight strong delusion is through strong revelation. Right. And you can only get strong revelation through listening to the voice of God for yourself yes. and believing what he says for yourself. And having that experience of God for yourself. And that's my heart, is that I want you to prosper in these coming difficult days. I want you to have what you need in order to survive and be one of those bright and shining stars that God talks about in the book of Daniel. I want you to succeed. I want to see you on the other side. I want you to be my brother. I want you to be my sister that walks with me in the new heavens and new earth. This is why we're telling you this. This is Mm -hmm. why God is telling you this through us, because these are things that you need to know as a Christian. And they're very difficult to get from the normative church because the normative church is basically natural-minded men telling you natural-minded stuff about spiritual things. That's right. It just doesn't work. It doesn't work, And that's why there's so much apathy that goes on with some of the denominations. So that's what we have to say on God's domain. Our heart is that you be enlightened by God. Yeah. You know, we are merely a starting place. We're a signpost that says, here is God. Take a look. Yes. We want you to personally take a look Mm -hmm. at what we say. Mm -hmm. Take a look at actually hearing God's voice for yourself and doing what he wants Mm -hmm. to do when he wants to do it. That's right. This is how you can 
mature and become in the fullness and stature of Christ Jesus. And our desire is to just plug you into the Holy Spirit and let the Holy Spirit take it from there. You have a connection to God in and of yourself if you are a believer in Jesus, and Jesus lives in you, and you don't have any need for any man to teach you. You can connect to the Spirit of God and let God lead you, and that's what we really want for you. Exactly. And don't hold back. The days are short. The darkness is coming, and it's coming in a different way than anybody really sees it. The only thing we can trust right now is God's leading. Well, this is great. You've made it to another (laughs) ending of an hour of God's Love Club. You are an intrepid individual. You're the person that will get it done when the going gets tough. (laughs) And therefore, we're going to give you another gold star to add to your growing collection of gold stars. And we want you to have a good week. We want you to be buoyed up in the Holy Spirit Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and rise above the troubles that you may have. God is with you. Yeah. God is leading you if you will listen. And God has a way out and through anything that you're currently going through. And we know it, and you're going to know it because God's going to move spectacularly in your life in the coming days. That's right. It's going to be exciting. In Jesus' name. Thank you for listening. This is Michael and Christy. We're going to sign off now from God's Love Club. You have a blessed week, and we'll talk to you later. Bye-bye. Bye.